anyway, I had to go to county lockup 30 days and I got out and my friends, like any good military friend should do, um, said, you want to like pay rent or get food? No, let's throw a party and invite whores and, and have a gangbang. Hey, welcome back to Four for the Road, everybody. I am your host, Ken, and I'm sitting here with Garage Beer Dave. How you doing today, man? When did we start referring to you as Ken? Um, Since uh, a couple weeks ago. We'll okay. Also, Ken, I have a story for you about a mutual friend of ours while you were gone. Oh. So, let me start. Hopefully. Oh, is it one of those? Is it? Hopefully, made that in the audio. So, because I can, I can do that too. <laughs> so, this motherfucker, who you already know, and when I use the word, I, you know, what? I shouldn't have said motherfucker. I hate when people do that, calling your friends motherfuckers. But it's a term of endearment. Okay, Would you have somebody so else call that motherfucker? Yeah. <laughs> but so this guy, so we're hanging out a few weeks ago, and you know. He gets a few drinks in him. He turns into a wild man. I love him to death, but maybe we shouldn't let him drink anymore. I don't know. I'm just spitballing here. But anyway, so we're out. We're having a good time. This dude decides that he's going to pick up. Hang on. I got to turn my phone off. Vibrate. It'll just go off here. So we're at the bar. We're having a good time. This dude decides that, you know what you need on a Tuesday night is some pussy. I'm just kidding. It wasn't a Tuesday night. It was a weekend. So it it makes it a little bit better. But so he's hitting on this girl. You know what? I didn't even think, I'm going to be honest. I didn't even think it was going well. He's trying to lay game. You've seen him before. He doesn't have that much game, but apparently she's digging it. So they're talking, they're hanging out, they're having some drinks. It's whatever. Kind of laughing at him, making fun of him, but also encouraging him. You got to encourage your boy's dick once in a while. You got to, you got to, you got to help guide the ship. Yeah. You got to gas him up. Yeah, so we're giving her shots so that he looks better, and, and every everything's going. Everything's I don't going. Know if there's enough alcohol in the world to make him look better, but okay, okay. So I remember at one point, homeboy realizes he's drunk, comes up and gives me his keys, and I was like, okay, that's a pretty responsible thing to do. So I, being the responsible character that I am, I don't know, like an hour or so later, decided to give his keys back to him. <laughs> But hang on, hang on. In our defense, in my defense, he said, I'm going to go to 7-Eleven and get a Gatorade for the morning. I get it. And and again, to give you guys context, where this bar is at, the 7-Eleven is like attached to the parking lot. So it's no big deal. Like You can go there. He's not going to drive. We could watch him from the door. He's fine. So I give him his keys back, which I'm like, dude, that'll be a great story on the podcast. Give him his keys back. He goes... This dumbass, we didn't find out till later, but he puts the, the Gatorade in his car, doesn't lock his car, then finds that girl and gives him, gives her his keys. Like, hey, baby, hold on to these. <laughs> <laughs> so all of a sudden, I would say, I don't know, if you're our age, maybe it's late, but it wasn't even that late in the night, maybe one o'clock, something like that. Homeboy is just gone. Don't know where he's at. Can't see him. His phone's not not responding. He is just gone. But old girl is gone. Good sign. Yeah, you put two together. Yeah. Don't think nothing of it. You know, the rest of us, he was definitely leading the way in drinking, but I think the rest of us were probably overserved as well. But either way, we got shit to do. There's an event going on the next day. Like, just cut it out and and, and fucking go home and, and all that good shit. So the next day, I had to run some errands. 
and I'm driving down the road. I'm probably, I don't know, a mile, mile and a half, two miles from that bar that we were at. And I see this fucking bum walking down the road. It looks like a bum walking down the road, all kinds of fucking wobbly and disheveled and all this shit. And I look twice and I'm like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> it's our boy. <laughs> so I like, I, I pull onto the road and I'm like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? Bro, if I'm lying, I'm dying without missing a beat. This motherfucker goes, bro, I woke up. I had to shit so bad. I shit in her toilet, plugged it and just ran out the door. <laughs> So he's he's describing this scenario to me. He's like, look, bro, it's like one of those bathrooms that opens up into the bedroom. Like it's not in the bedroom, but like the door and everything is just connected with the bedroom. It's like you're looking straight at the bed. He's like, if I would have shit with the door open, I would have been watching her in bed. <laughs> We're still pulled over on the side of the road. Like I'm dying like this. He's like, dude, I can't see shit. I took my contacts out. I'm fucking... I'm blind. He's like, the shit wouldn't go down the toilet. I couldn't see if there was a plunger. So I just leaned over. I like wiped my ass and I leaned over and I was like, oh, I got to go meet the boys. And phew, out, the door, out the door he went. And there's tears streaming down my eyes while he's telling the story. And I was like, you got to be fucking kidding me. He goes, no, nah, dude, I plugged the fucking toilet. And I was like, all right, whatever. It happens. So I take him. And we go back to the bar because that's where his car is at because he got to ride home with her. So, you know what? Round of applause for being responsible, not drinking and driving. Yeah. Drop him off. I see him get in the car because Genius didn't lock it and he's enjoying his Gatorade and drive away. All of a sudden, the phone starts blowing up. <laughs> this motherfucker forgot his keys and, like, I don't know, his sweatshirt or something else and a hat. He forgot it at her house. <laughs> So he's in his car, but he can't fucking go anywhere. And now he's got to call her for his keys. So again, he's like telling the story. I'm just fucking, I'm surprised I didn't crash. I'm just dying. It's like, you want me to come around and, and get you? So you can get, he's like, no, I'm going to wake her up. Make her give me <laughs> my keys. He's like, look, this would be a test. If she doesn't bring me my keys, that means she took a piss before she came to give me my keys and found the toilet. If she just shows up and brings me the keys, she hasn't gone to the bathroom yet. And it's all good. <laughs> That's all good. So he's like, he's waiting and, and okay, uh -huh, not judging. She's hungover. She's probably groggy as fuck. She's probably annoyed. She probably had bad dick, you know, all this, all this stuff. She's not in a hurry to bring him his keys. So as the time's going by while he's waiting for his keys, he's like sending his pictures, like brushing his teeth. There's a Burger King connected to this bar too. So he's, no. brushing, he's brushing his teeth in the Burger King bathroom. <laughs> He's like, he's like trying to put his contacts in from like the trunk of his car and stuff. I mean, just look, there's a, he sent us a video. There's one video. Maybe I'll ask him if I can post it later. He probably won't let us, but he goes back. The bar has an outside patio. So he's like, he's like sending us videos of him sitting on the outside patio as the bar is closed, just talking about the bad decisions that he's made in life. But, but fast forward, to be fair, she brings him his keys. Doesn't say a word, like no, no drama, nothing. He said, he said, she just gave me my keys and, and that was it. Uh, but she said she hadn't seen his hat. So he's like, dude, I know my hat's there, but whatever. Fuck it. Chalk it up to the game. So he goes and, and he meets up with our boys and they're going to go to this event that like, it's a big bike event. All right. It's like a fundraiser, a charity event, all this stuff. There were some rumblings and I feel like dipshit should have paid attention to the rumblings that she had somehow, this girl from the bar that he hooked up with, 
had somehow been involved with this charity and this biker event and, and all this stuff like some years past. No. But our friend, as you know, is an idiot. <laughs> or he just didn't care. I'm not quite sure. He was pretty hungover. So trying to trying to get, you just man. not care or do you not know? Was it was kind of a hard was a hard answer to get from him. But we this go to the almost event. some Dave level shit. Hey. hey, hey, hey. <laughs> If there's a gangbang in a motorcycle helmet, maybe I've met your match. Maybe like eight years ago, but not <laughs> not anymore. Uh, no. So we go to this event. We're hanging out. We're having a good time. All the homies are there. It really was a good time. The weather was perfect. Everything's a good time. All of a sudden, I look. And so we're like this bar and this motorcycle stuff and, and this fundraising event. It's all like in this little like block radius, right? So you look across, you look across the, the parking lot or whatever. And she is just standing there <laughs> like, like the fucking crypt keeper. She is just standing there. And I'm like, bro, we got to walk that way. What do you want to do? And he's like, fuck it. I can't go left. I can't go right. Like I can't turn around and walk back without making it obvious. He's like, fuck it. We're just going to walk straight ahead. So they did it. So like, we all stopped because we're all like, Hey, everybody had fun last night. How about you guys? <laughs> And I, if that bitch could shoot daggers, I think she would have shot daggers at, at all of us. But they awkwardly hug or whatever. <laughs> this other person that was with us goes, hey, how's your plumbing? <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, that makes me so happy. <laughs> and and so whatever. They Everybody says hi. It's awkward. We walk away. And I look at him and I go, hey, dude, did you notice that bill in her hand? <laughs> He's like, shut the fuck up. There was no bill in her hand. So that is what you missed. I will say, though, that our friend asking how her plumbing is almost had me piss my pants. Um, I, could say, I could say that it had our boy shit his pants, but he was obviously clear of shit. But dude, listening to him in the car describe how he plugged her toilet panicked, didn't know what to do, and just ran out of her house while everybody is still sleeping. That'll be one and of my you know, top favorite shifts. You know, like, and I and I don't think he's going to let us post the video. I mean, he wouldn't even let us use his name. You know what I'm saying? So, like, I don't know. God bless him. God bless her. God bless America. Because this this is some... I fucking love this area, man. So if so you ever go, if you ever go to a bar that's got a Burger King and a 7-Eleven attached to its parking lot or, or kind of in the vicinity of its parking lot, look for a girl with plumbing issues and you too might get lucky. I think I'm going to have to make a t-shirt now that's just like I'm a plumber or I unclog toilets or some shit like that. And just go hang around bars until she comes up and says, hey, you know what? I got a story for you. I'm going to be like, oh, you're her. Got it. Hey. I feel like for our next our next shindig or our next big ride together or party or whatever, we should all get matching shirts for him that have the plunger and the toilet on it. Um, I want to see if I can make those real quick. Like they don't have to be even good. It can just be some clip art shit of a plunger and a toilet, and then just like the abbreviation of like if you know, you know, you know. <laughs> or maybe you know how like everybody's fucking gaga over stickers. Maybe we could just make him a plunger sticker. I think we should just call him plunger, but that's just me. That's just me. I think we should get him some plunger stickers, and then that can be like a secret like handshake that he hands out is just plunger stickers. Right? Like, if you know, you know. But speaking of stickers, yeah. 
You have started sticking around, huh? <laughs> a I motorcycle club. Um, yeah, I, I started. So, uh, well, we talked about this a little bit beforehand offline, and I said, you know, we won't go into details and stuff like that. Just your your privacy and respect for you and stuff like that, and anything you need to edit out, we can. But you made a decision on joining a motorcycle club. I did. Um, yeah, that's that's all I can say. No, no, I'm no it's not. A, I think there's value in in not talking specifics. But I think there's value in having a conversation around the journey and finding a home. I think that there's a lot of people that listen to Four for the Road podcast or write in and stuff like that. It's a community engagement page that are going through the same shit that you're going. They're trying to find a home and make a good selection. No, I I, I think so as well. Um so can you, can you, I'll, I'll steer this and you tell me what you can give. Okay. Okay. Can you tell us why you ch- chose to land where, like, what was it about? Was it, was it the club? It's the, the overall club itself. Was it the people? Was it, was it, was it a certain it's aspect? Like what was it for you? That was like, you know what? This is home. Dude. I, I really can't. Um, and, and the reason I can't is there's no like one or like top five, right? Because when I started hanging out, it was for this reason. And then a few days later, it was for that reason. And then a few days later, it was for this other reason. And there's just so many things that I love about the men in this club, the club itself, and the area in which they frequent, that it just felt like home. Right. Like there's really no other way to describe it. I can't tell you exactly like nail it down. It just feels like home. I didn't feel like I had to force conversations. I didn't didn't feel like they expected me to be a certain way. And I had to be that way. I could just be authentic. I could be myself. And they accepted me for that. Um, You know, some of this, you know, like a lot there's. There's a lot of things that like we we don't agree on right whether it's fucking motorcycle club related stuff or not but at the end of the day we can sit here and we can exchange ideas we can have conversations and we cannot hate each other for that and i think that aids in the the ability to be authentic and they expect everybody to be authentic you know if 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 they see somebody acting out of character they're going to call them out and be like hey man since when did you grow you know when did you grow balls six six sizes too big or hey man like you're usually like pretty loud and kind of the life of the party and you're kind of quiet what's going on you know like they keep everybody i don't want to say they keep everybody in check like it's like it's a bad thing or anything but like they you know they keep tabs on each other and they make sure that everybody's good The, the the checks and balances of it like you know are you up are you down? Are you letting the patch go to your head? Are you having trouble at home? Are you having trouble on the scene? Trouble, like, you know, yeah, it's important. I think it's a thing for, you know, people to, whether you're in a club or not, like if you have friends, if you have people that you're going to associate with on that kind of level of a brotherhood level, homies, whatever, you should be, I'm going to stretch my vocabulary today. You should be able to kind of have a litmus, a lit, I can't even say it right now. <laughs> I'm going to stretch my vocabulary and then fuck it up. But yeah, you should have that litmus. Fucking Christ. I can say it. You're saying it correctly. It's litmus. 
Yeah, but I can't fit. And my I my tongue, if I squirrel, squirrel. Well, yes, yeah. <laughs> squirrel. You ship toilet plugs. You should have that. <laughs> you know, you should have. Let's start over. We should have that ability to know when your boys are out of whack and to know when something's up, or to know when they're getting out of pocket, and be able to have those difficult conversations about what's going on. How can we bring you back in? How can we lift you up? How can we calm you down a little bit? Whatever the situation calls for. I think that's absolutely something people, it's a critical component to have homies or brotherhood. And you know what, you know, like what else I've noticed is that when, when you're looking at larger clubs, it's really easy to have that like click thing start where it's, whether it's within a chapter or this chapter thinks they're cooler than everybody else. And I'm not saying that every club's affected with that. And, and you know what? I'm not necessarily going to say that it's wrong or that they are wrong because, I mean, depending on what scale you want to use, you could prove mathematically somebody's better than the other, right? Um, you, or you could try, rather. Um, but I haven't heard – and that, that was another thing that fuck just blows my mind is that when you listen to these men speak about each other, whether it's somebody in their chapter or somebody in a chapter that's close or somebody in another state, it's with nothing but respect with love. Like, and you can see it in their eyes that this isn't just some bullshit that they're spewing because, Oh, well, you know, he's my brother. So I fucking have to, like, you can tell that this is 100% authenticity that you're getting from these men. And, and again, man, like it, it just felt like home and it felt like these, these guys have pushed me to be a better version of myself and, that's why I'm here trying to uh, earn my way into the brotherhood. And, you know, something that you and I talked about, and I'm pausing to like, you know, I'll come back to it in a second. One thing you said um, that I did like, though, was was the click part. And I I think, I'm a, my personal opinion here, um, not, you know, none of us speak for any any club or anything like that. But I think when you get into a large group of people, no matter what the fuck you're doing, motorcycle clubs or not, it's inevitable that there's going to be clicks. Like you're just going to have people that you vibe with, that you have more in common with than others. That's you can't argue that for any large organization and, and it doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing as long as you're not, as long as you're not exclusive, as long as, as your group or your clique is not shunning or disrespectful to other people that, that have put in the work and the effort to earn that patch or to earn that standing that you have, you know, as long as you just understand that some people are just different, I don't think there's a problem with clicks. It's when you get that kind of better than thou version of a click, now you've run into issues. But otherwise, yeah. I think it's only natural for people to gravitate towards similar interests. That makes sense? Yeah. No, I, I, I 100% agree with that. And I like how you put that, that, that clicks aren't necessarily a bad thing, but it's when you become – like the cool kids club like that. That's when it starts to become a problem. I, I, I really like that because yeah, I mean, you, you can't know, like, I mean, it's, we're no different. We're no different on the page, you know, like you and I are, I, I think you're tighter than, than we are with some of the other guys. And that's, and that's okay because we're not like, Oh, well, fucking we're some, we're so-and-so or, we're, you know, whatever. Yeah, like you I've know? ridden with you and, and Jim and, and I've had, um, you know, the opportunity to meet, silent and and road dirt and 
I've had professor come to Wisconsin and we've had dinner with, with chop and all this stuff, but you know, I've put in more miles with you and more miles with Jim and, and all this stuff, but I don't think that I would respect any less something that comes from notion. You know, I respect him a ton. I don't have the same relationship with him like I do with you or Jim because we just we just haven't had he lives fucking 3000 miles away. Like it's just it's not the same ability to connect. Yeah. Like I have with with you and Jim, but I don't respect him any less than I do, you know, I have the same amount of respect, a high level of respect for him like I do you and and Jim. And so that's kind of one of those things too where you may have brothers that live across the country that you're not seeing as often. And to say that you're going to be as as, as equal with them and as tight with them as you are maybe with a, with a, with a click that you see more often. I, I think that's ridiculous. And I think speaking out like, Oh, no clicks and clubs and stuff like that. I don't think that's realistic, but understanding that you can't have tiers. Like there might be positional, you know, positions, leadership positions that better, that, that are a little bit tiered, but you can't have a tier system among brotherhood with your clicks. Like that's when it gets toxic. That's when it gets negative. Does that make sense? I yeah, and I mean it makes sense to me, and I hope it makes makes sense to everybody that's listening. Um, but man, I I don't think that I could have said that any better or agree with it any more than I do. So what about? Let's say that I'm an asshole. Let's okay. just say I'm an asshole. I have never met you before. <laughs> and let's say that I just have a really small dick, but I have to flex this small dick on you. And the way that I'm going to flex my small dick on you is to give you shit for choosing to not go all the way to the top tier. I guess people can't see me using your <laughs> Yeah, there are there are <laughs> the top tier of motorcycle clubs and going whether you want to say diamond or one percent. Cause I do think the my personal opinion there's a distinction between the two. But let's say for the for this sake of conversation, for this small dick syndrome, let's call it we'll say one percent is the top tier. Um you know, I got, I have an attitude problem and I want to tell you that you should have just went 1% and all this. What was it for you that said, you know what, this is where my home is versus something like a 1% club? You know, I wasn't really thinking about that when I, when I told these men that I wanted to pursue membership in their organization. Um, but once I made that very clear, I, I did start thinking about it, you know, because there, there are clubs out there that wear a diamond that I know aren't necessarily going to get me in trouble with my job, right? Like, that was a big thing. Um, but I think for me, there's just a level of dedication and a separate set of rules and politics, in my opinion, just from what I've seen. I'm not speaking for them um, on that side of the tracks. And that's just not something that I personally felt that... I could balance. Um, hang on, hang on, the three, hang on. The three, what's Wait up? a minute. You felt personally that after looking at the pros and cons of each motorcycle club and what their level or expectations or operating type is, you made a conscious decision to say that I don't know that for the good of my career, sanity, family, all this stuff. I don't know that I could properly balance it the way it needs to be. You made a smart, intelligent decision. <laughs> yeah. And you know, and, I, and people I should respect the fuck out of that. You know, and I, and I think about how it would be as a brother as well. Right. Like if I'm struggling to, 
um, maintain my job and my family, if I'm like barely holding on, where am I going to have the time or the focus to be the best brother that these men deserve? You know, um, if, if I'm killing it at my job and my club, you know, are my children getting the best father that they deserve? Is my wife getting the best husband that she deserves? You know, and, and like I said, just for me and, and I'm not, she deserves, she deserves, she deserves far, she better. deserves far better than me, but let's hope she doesn't the show and she just stays ignorant and she just stays with me forever because I would love that very much so. But, um, but no, and I'm not saying that, you know, just because you're a one percenter that you have, you know, all this other, um, like all these other, like this, this next level shit of dedication that other clubs don't because I, I, cause that's, that's an asinine thing to say. Um, but when you look at, uh, I'm not going to go down that road. Um, no, but I get what you're saying. I have, I have to be a little more careful about how I speak about things. Now. Well, I, and I get what you're saying. And I think anybody that has like listening comprehension gets what you're saying too. It's not that there's not non 1% clubs that aren't just absolutely dedicated and, and pounding the road and, and holding events and doing this stuff like crazy as well. But there comes a time when there can be different expectations and requirements that go into being that 1% person in your area to that 1% motorcycle club. And, and I think it's foolish of anybody and I can say whatever the fuck I want because I don't have, I don't have a club. So as an outsider that's, that's been in clubs and has looked at going back to clubs and what's the right club for me, I think you're a fucking idiot. If you don't sit down and evaluate that shit, you're going to, if you go to that level and people put in the time, you go, you know, I had a great conversation with somebody who's a, a, a great friend of mine. I, re- I don't know that I can respect him any more than I do. Um, he's been a one percenter for a long, long, long fucking time um, and, and had a great conversation just this weekend, you know, about understanding the values and, and what you're teaching somebody. And, and re- you know, on the other side of that, respecting the fact that these people are putting that effort into you. They're putting all their years of knowledge into teaching you something. And there's a lot of weight to that. And so you absolutely should consider, can I live up to that? Can I balance that? Is that for me? Is that something I'm even interested in? Before just going, you know what? That's the top. I'm going to go straight to the top or I'm going to aspire to be at the top. Look, if that's you, great. But if that's not you, there's absolutely nothing fucking wrong in saying, you know what? I'm going to go a different route. And, and I respect you more for being able to say that rather than trying to fucking be an asshole telling other people what they need to do. Um, or, or fucking faking the funk and changing who you are to appease a club. Like, that shit's fucking stupid. Don't do that shit. Just be you and, and make the decision that's best for you. And if you think we were shit talking in that, like, then you're just not, you're not listening because we didn't say anything about one club being better than the other. We're saying find what fucking fits you and what you can give because then you're going to be happier and the club's going to be better. Exactly. And it's not that like, you know, oh, well, this club has certain patches and this club doesn't. So this one club that has more patches, you know, they're obviously more legitimate or anything like that. That's not what we're saying either. Um, that was good. That was a good one. That, that one felt natural. Like you just opened up the esophagus and it, and it happened. You didn't push. Um, but yeah, it's it's not. We're definitely not saying that like one club's better than another club. I mean. With the mindset that I have now, I would say that you know what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this month, he's like, I already forever my club, my club forever. God damn it! I've already got the tattoo appointment scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> it's in 2026, you know. 
Just saying. Um, nah, I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, but yeah, man, it's it's a fucking ride, dude, and I love it. And, Absolutely, and that's kind of you know we we got you know, a little. I'll, I'll tell you the the biggest thing for me, man, is and I know you and I talked about it. What I was really scared of is that I would find the place that I was like, "That's it. This is it. This is home. This is where I need to be." And that I would tell them that I'm interested or that that I'm dedicated to pursuing membership in their in their motorcycle club, and they're going to be like, "Well, fuck, dude, you're you're a fucking punk rock for the road." Blah 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 blah. Here's your shit. And that was that that was always a really big fear of mine, and that got headed off at the pass, like even before you know the process really got started. It was just like, look, man, like we want you to know we love the show, we love the page, we love what you're doing, we love what you're doing for the community. That's cool. However, we're all fucking equal, and there ain't no fucking free passes given to anybody. And I think that was like the start of the yep, this is it, you know, because I don't. I don't want to be that dude that showed up, you know, to a fucking regionals or nationals and be like, oh, what's up, man? I'm the guy that didn't prospect, but I'm supposed to be your equal. You know, I, I don't want to do that. And and the fact that they cared enough to bring that up and let me know, like, hey, look, dude, like you're going to earn every stitch just like everybody else. That meant a lot to me. And I think uh, that aided a bit in me coming to the conclusion that yeah this is my home this is where i belong and this is where i need to work to to earn to call these men brother so i like i take time out of my day all the time to tell you you ain't shit yet somehow they do it they do it and it sticks i do it and you brush me off okay all right well (laughs) i mean i love you too motherfucker you know you got you got you got all the perks of being in an mc Without being in an MC, motherfucker. Like, fuck you. You can well, go wherever you want to, right? You, you can go wherever, and then you know that you don't have to pay for a hotel. You know that for a yeah, fact. Yeah. Oh, I want to go to Kentucky. I'm going to go to Kentucky. You ain't got to pay for a hotel there. Oh, I'm going to go to Virginia. Bitch, which side of the fucking water you want to be on? Because you still don't have to pay for a hotel there. You got like four or five different spots on each side of the water. Yeah. Well, And I've slept with you in two of them. On both sides. So that's rad. Well. Not like a sexual way, but like. A little bit I like have, a sexual way. I mean, not for the show. They don't need but. <laughs> but I will say, so a conversation that I don't think we ever got to record. And I kind of want Jim present when we do it. But we have so many other shows that we need to do with Jim, especially the history one. Really excited for that one. Um you know, got a chance yesterday. So it'd been like two years, I guess it was like a two year anniversary. One of those memory things that pops up on, on Instagram since we did the uh, Mexican Ed from the Galloping Goose, a history piece on, on him and kind of the origins of the MF patch and things like that. Just such a cool story from the 60s and how it kind of, I mean, fucking they had trading cards in the 60s of, of just these legend. Well, we consider them, you know what I love is that we consider them legendary characters today, legendary figures, because they are. In 1963 or five or whatever it was when those when those trading cards came out from Ed Roth, did people then know that those people were already legendary figures or going to be legendary figures in the community? But that's something I want to say for Jim. Just like the argument that not the argument, but the discussion that we've had. What can you get from a motorcycle club that you can't get elsewhere? 
and I know Jim takes this very, per- not in a bad way, but Jim gets very personable with it, personal, personal with it because he loves his club so much. And I love that. But I don't think we've ever had a chance to report a, record a podcast where, you know, we discuss you don't need to be in a motorcycle club to have what motorcycle clubs have. And nobody can make that decision for you because there may be one thing, one fucking thing that you get from a motorcycle club that outshines every fucking thing else, every pro, every con, everything else. Like you get one thing in return from, from being around a motorcycle club. That's enough for you. It's an individual fucking decision, but I don't think people should feel like they have to join a club because they're missing out on something. You're not missing out on shit. If it doesn't do it for you, you can still have absolutely everything that a motorcycle club has without putting on a patch. Only the people that only the people that get something, a certain it factor in the very core of who they are should join a club. And I think that's why we have so many fucking pop-up clubs that are just fucking retarded is because people have this wrong impression that to be in the community, they have to have a patch. So they, they don't want to join an actual established club and they don't want to go through the rigors of joining that club, you know, the process, the forging, if you will. And, and so they think that's the only way to get into the community. And it's not. Ken and I may never share a patch. Maybe, maybe never. But there is no less consideration for him as family and the, the forging and the trials and the truth. You don't have to 10 bar at 4 a.m. You don't have to haul somebody's bike at 3 a.m. You don't have to attend every family barbecue at noon on a Sunday to establish that bond. There are so many fucking ways for that bond to be forged. Motorcycles just kind of have a certain way of doing it that has worked for them. But if you and your homies are doing that exact same thing, you can have that tight knit isk of a motorcycle club without ever, don't fucking put a patch on your back. But if you get that, if you get that one thing in return from being with a motorcycle club, then go that fucking route. But there's no difference. To me, there's there's nothing you're going to gain from it that you can't gain elsewhere unless it's that absolute fucking it factor for you. But there's no thing. Well, I'll, I'll, fucking, I'll drop names here because I don't give a fuck about this part. Um, I'm, I'm calling your sponsor. Do it. Um, so, um, Cole and the crew that he's got down in Virginia Beach is a perfect example of what you're talking about. There's no patches. There's no club. You know, there's no fucking, there's no mandatories. The, you know, what people consider like the negative side of being in a club where, yeah, like mandatories. Oh, I have to be over here at this time. You know, the, the, the prospect period, you know, some people consider that a negative part of it. There is none of that with the group of guys that he has down there. Right. And they're fucking, I mean, I'm up here on this side of the water. Right. And there's people over here that know about Cole. They know about the shop. They know about the shop that he works with, you know, and Dan and Jake and all that. And that's being part of the community. But again, there's no patches. There's no club. That's just, that's just Cole. That's just Dan. That's just Jake. But how they move, how they respect each other, how they treat others with respect and how knowledgeable they are about the culture about the community, the motorcycles themselves. That's what I think sets them apart from just a couple of guys that like to go riding every now and then. 
you know, shout out, um, shout out to Dana Fab performance. <laughs> hashtag Dana Fab work. Um, you know, but you know, and, and Dana Fab Cole, hoorah. Um, we, <laughs> you know, but you know, but like, like you were saying, right. There's for, for some people there's, there's going to be something missing in their lives. Right. And that's not to talk shit about anything. That's not to, you know, say that their family isn't adequate or anything like that. But there's just going to be something missing where they need to belong to something or they they feel the need where, you know, oh, well, I've got I've got four girls and then my wife and I don't really have any dude friends. And then, you know, he discovers a motorcycle club and then it's just like, hey, this is what the fuck I've been missing. You know, I mean, there's a myriad of reasons why somebody would want to join a motorcycle club. But like you were saying, man, as long as that motorcycle club fits for you, you fit for that club. Then it's a, then it's going to be a great relationship, and I think that's what should, people should treat it as is a relationship. This isn't a fucking hobby; it's a lifestyle, right? And if you're going to maintain that lifestyle, you got to take it seriously. But, and I think I think you know one of the arguments with with Jim too was like you don't have to have a patch to take it seriously. And and one of the examples, you know, one of the examples that I always come back to, or a couple of the examples that I always come back to is, you know, the mercenary guys, the mercenary guys travel fucking everywhere together. And they're not unique. There's other groups like that. There just happen to be a reference that I have because I'm friends with them, you know, but those guys travel everywhere together. They have rule, not rules, not written rules, but they have unspoken rules, conduct, things like that, that you expect from your, from your brothers, from your family, that you're going to fucking Roger up to it, or you're not going to be a part of, of that group. And so I don't think it's unique to just motorcycle clubs. It's just, like you said, what is an absolute fit for you where you can't be, you just can't imagine yourself anywhere else. Like if you don't have that, like if you don't have, I can't see myself anywhere else, then don't join a fucking club. Like, like again, the mercenary dudes, as an example, some of them are interested in joining a club. Others have no fucking desire, but it doesn't change their We'll call it brotherhood. I mean, they absolutely, they, they fuck together, eat together, fight together, fight each other. <laughs> uh, you know, they do kind of all punch, that stuff. Punch, their, punch the outskirt friends in the mouth. <laughs> uh, uh, it's okay. I still love you, Zach. I still love you. Even though you, you know, punch I mean, in the mouth on fucking Main Street in Daytona. It's okay. I didn't do nothing to you, by the way. I don't know. I know you weren't there, but you were there. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm just spilling all the tea. And, 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 you know, another notable example that we, again, just bring it back to people that we can relate to or had on the show, you know, Jace, you know, is the same way they do, you know, they have that ride that they do for kind of a, I don't want to call it the fast life guys or whatever, but I think that's just kind of how everybody can, can kind of. Yeah. I mean, he's got the associated, but you know, he's, you know, they have the same thing where they're, they're, not paying dues, but they're kicking in money for the trips together. And there's an expectation that you're going to be there at 3 a.m. occasionally, and you're going to make it to the barbecues and you're going to make that cross country ride and you're going to make it to, you know, the house or whatever. Like there's, there's levels of expectation trials and tribulations that they put each other through or go through together. Um, That's the same with motorcycle clubs. So you don't need a club to have that brotherhood, to have that camaraderie. Uh, it's just kind of the, the thing that, that I know I always like to come back and, and argue with Jim about and just not in, and never in a, like a mean way, but it's just like, dude, there's alternatives to joining a club. And I think more people need to be okay with the alternative and, and just be happy with their friend. Just because you have a great group of friends, don't put a fucking patch on. We don't need more fucking clubs. We don't need new, we don't, we don't fucking need new, uh, new clubs. Join an established club. If you think you have the best thing in your area, 
find an established club and petition to open a chapter of their shit in that area if you think that your area is so lacking. But otherwise, like Ken said in the very beginning of this rant, I can go fucking anywhere I want because of the to, to suck my own dick because of the person I am, because I can make fun of myself, because I'm, I have humility, because I pay it forward, because I respect the shit out of so many people. And, and I let them know that I respect them and learn from them and cherish my time with them. And I, I, I ride long distance on my motorcycles. I've opened up so many doors just from those few things that I don't know if I could ever, I don't know if I could give that up to join a club. Cause I would, I would have to give some of that up to start making club commitments. And I don't know if I could fucking do that. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's when you you ignore that voice because you want the status of a patch. Putting on a mercenary sweatshirt is not going to give you the same status as putting on a patch. Fact. But if you're a piece of shit, eventually they're going to find out you're a piece of shit, no matter if you're in a hoodie or a fucking vest. Like, it doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I think, I mean, even a lot of uh, non-1% clubs are starting to do that when you're prospecting. Right. And then like even you and I had that that uh, discussion. Um, why? You know, but it, it weeds out it weeds out the fake, you know, because you can only fake the funk for so long. And more often than not, it's not it, it's going to be between six and 12 months is where, where you give up the ghost. You know, I mean, some some guys make it all the way through. You know, some guys make it as a full patch. Then, then I got a man that I consider my family on the West Coast. He, he would tell me all the time. Yeah. You know prospecting was the easy part you know that was that was where you got to make all your fuck-ups all your all your all your fucking whatever let's see if you can actually hold that patch and honor that patch and deserve that patch for for a year you know i noticed in a club was you know i agree 100 percent. i think probating is easier because you have a defined set of rules and a defined set of almost operating circumstances almost have like an sop yeah, you know, kind of, and you can say, well, clubs have bylaws and all this stuff. Yes, but as a, as a prospect or a probate, like you are probably going to have somebody telling you where to be, when to be, how to be, what to wear, what to bring, where to work, security, 10 bar, wash bikes, park bikes, watch bikes, whatever the fuck, transport drunk members home. Like you're going to have a duty. For the most part, when you become a full patch, a lot of that goes away. And a lot of that now is on you to just based on your character know when you, you know, need to be somewhere knowing how to be in the right uniform of the day, as far as, you know, is your bike maintained? Is your shit together? Are you not a fucking crackhead that's blowing all your money? Are you, you know, are you accountable to the brotherhood? Are you making the events you need to make? Are you skating and letting somebody else do the hard shit? Are you shitting on your family? Like as a full patch, nobody's going to hold you accountable for that until they recognize it's a problem. When it's a probate, they're just like, hey man, this is, this is, this is how your life's gonna be for the next six months. And it's very rigid, it's very structured. When you're outside of that and you become a full patch, now it's on you to navigate that shit correctly. And there can be a lot of pitfalls. And I think people need to be aware of that. Well, I think that's also the important part of the prospecting period or probating period is that while you're prospecting or probating, um, you know, you're building bonds with these men that, that you're gonna one day call brother, right? And when you hit those situations where you're like, fuck, I hope I'm making the right call. I know that, you know, like, no, I'm not going to say that. So let's, let's, let's say that, that you're, you know, a a new full patch 
and you get put in one of those situations where you're like, fuck, I got to make a judgment call. I'm not sure if this is the right call. Hopefully, you did your prospecting, your probating right. And you're comfortable enough calling one of your brothers, saying, hey, bro, like, look, I know you've been around a lot longer than I have. Uh, you probably encountered this, this kind of scenario. This is what's going on. What do I fucking do? Because I'm not necessarily sure. You know, because you can you can watch everything, right? But you don't know what's circumstantial, what is the standard operating procedure, you know, unless unless you ask those questions, right? And then, you know, I'm sure nobody that's wearing a patch today can say, while I was prospecting, I came across every single scenario that you can ever go through. So I was prepared to make this decision, right? That I'm sure that they either they, they made a judgment call on the fly and it worked out and they remembered that shit, or they leaned on a brother, like I believe you should, they leaned on one of their brothers and said, hey man, look, like I'm sure you've been through this situation before, what do I fucking do? Well, that's why mentor, you know, being a mentor is so important. If, if you think that having somebody that reports to you as, as far as, you know, having a probate or a prospect or something like that, that you're responsible for sponsoring, like you should take that absolutely seriously. But not only should you take it seriously, but the brothers in the club should take it seriously. Like, you know what? There's some hazing. There's some, you know, some stuff, some, some trick bags. Absolutely. I get it. But if your biggest thrill as a full patch is is just making a prospect's life miserable, like you're a piece of shit, dude. Like absolutely, there's some hazing and some mud checks and stuff. We get it. We get it. But if your whole – if you just fucking come all over the entire wall because you got to fucking be a dickhead to a prospect, like you're a piece of shit. Like you – that – status that you have to those guys looking up to you as, as trying to join member to, to attain membership in your club that is such a sacred thing and you should take it so fucking seriously and you should be an example like you know i'm not saying you have to fucking be their milkmaid and their mom and, and and hold their hands but you should there should be no higher honor for you really i that i think of than to train that next generation of that next crop and to be somebody they can come to with questions to give them hard lessons to give them knowledge and history and be a guide and a resource for them like that's that's the shit that should get your fucking dick hard like if it's just making them fetch you a beer or fucking doing a rail off a stripper's ass like i don't want you in this fucking club anyway that's <clears throat> no comment <laughs> <laughs> You know what? You as a prospect is the fucking worst. <laughs> yeah, man, that wasn't even the first time today that I've heard that. Um, <laughs> but no, I no, I agree, man. That it's definitely something you should take seriously because you're raising up the next generation of men that's going to represent your fucking club. You know, you're the, these are men that hopefully one day are going to wear the same patch. They're going to be your equal. They're going to be your brother. So why are you going to half-ass the job? You know what I'm saying? Because like that, that that is a responsibility. You know, you got to make sure that you're setting you're setting the right example through both word and deed. Hey, man, this is how my club operates, and I want you to see me operate the way I'm telling you to operate, and then I want you to hear me listen to what I'm saying about how we operate and why we do things the way we do. Um, I think that's very fucking important. And just be fucking approachable, right? Because, like, some of, some of these guys, I mean, some of these guys are great dudes that would be an asset to your club, but they're they're kind of timid, right? 
be approachable. Like not everybody's got to be a stone wall that, you know, somebody has to like pick at and pick at and pick at for you to finally open up to, you know, but I mean, I'm, I'm not saying give everybody everything for free, but like, you know, answer a question every now and then, you know, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah, I agree with you hundred percent. Teach them more than how to flip off a camera. Fuck you, I was drinking. <laughs> oh, that almost... I'm so t- is that enough. Enough with the fucking middle fingers and the cat. We get it. Hey, so that's I, it for the show, everybody. I get it. You're a, oh, my God. You're a fucking hard ass. I get it. Calm the fuck down, dude. I, you win every bar fight you've ever been in. Pussy just falls at your feet every time you give a middle finger to the camera. I fucking get it. I'm so, my soapbox, dude. I'm so tired of fucking dudes that have to not smile and give a finger to the camera. Like, oh my god, calm the fuck down. And then they go home, and and they're not even on Instagram. They're probably still fucking it up on Facebook. You know, it's it's a fucking Doc Holiday quote. Okay, okay, Doc Holiday ended up working for the cops, so I don't know where we're at there. Or it's fucking Larry. Ray Liotta and Goodfellas. All I ever wanted to be was a gangster. Okay, well he also became a fucking snitch. So I don't, I don't know. Just put your fucking, <laughs> put your fucking middle fingers away. Smile more. You know what? I saw a guy in a bar last time. I was, I was hanging out with you, and I gave him a kiss. And I meant to give him a kiss on his fucking cheek, but I gave him a kiss in his fucking ear. So, you know what? There wasn't a middle finger involved. Do you know that. What? You know what? I have a question for you. Go ahead. Why are you not allowing men to be authentic? It's not authentic. You if that's who they are. Oh my God. <laughs> that's who they became. That's who they became because somewhere along the line in the motorcycle club scene, fucking they listened to insane throttle and they thought that everything was a fucking prison riot. And so all they can do is fucking convict poses and middle finger flips. You know what? My next, my next four pictures that I take, I'm, I'm gonna make sure that I'm doing the convict pose or the fucking orderly way when I'm fucking like down on a knee, like shaking a hand that's not even there, right? Like I'm just. For some reason, it's, like, it's it's the yard pose, not a convict pose. I don't give a fuck. Either way, I don't know. I've never been in jail. Never been. Also, also, I hope somebody in the, I hope somebody takes the time to listen to this whole thing and then post the pictures of like Josh and I from Mercenary doing the convict pose in a bathroom while somebody's fucking pissing. Like I get it. Like once in a while, whatever. But if you are that dude that every fucking picture is you angry as shit with a middle finger, chill the fuck out. You're not that cool. Or the hashtags. The, the fucking hard guy hashtags about I'm I'm gonna kill you or what I mean I'm, okay I'm being a little bit ridiculous with that but f- dude you're you're hard flexing on the internet my mom uses hashtags all right calm down it's not that fucking cool I guarantee whoever you're mad at isn't looking at your hashtag and going oh fuck that's about me that's intimidating they don't give a fuck I don't give a fuck hashtag something about how much you love that dude that you're with in the picture instead of fucking the hard, the hardcore hashtags. Let's try more of that shit. So much anger coming out of Dave today. And sorry, thank you for filling that, that quiet gap. I actually had to respond to one of my pass holders. So, Oh my God. Dude, I, <laughs> in all reality and in, in all reality, the reason I was responding to him is because, um, he and I went out, um, and plug the girl's toilet. 
we had a we had a good time. We we and we did not plug any woman's toilet uh, that time, and we had a good time. And then he was a little he was a little worried, you know, like we were hanging out at his house, and he was a little worried. He's like, "Hey man, like I'd really rather you eat and hang out for a little bit before you went home." I said, "Dude, oh, absolutely. You know, this is, this is your house. You know, I'm here. I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do what you ask of me." And he gave me the most fucking delicious ramen noodles that I have ever had in my life. And I said, bro, where do I find these? And he was just like, they're sporadic. Every now and then you'll find them here, here, and here, and that's it. And then he sent me a picture of him purchasing a sleeve of them. And I was like, dude, where are they at? He was like, oh, they're at this, this spot over here. But I bought all of them because they rarely have them in stock. So you can't get so what I got from that story, good story, but what I got from that story is even the club has already figured out that you can't drink for shit. Wow. That was weird. <laughs> so what, what Cole and I have known and what Jim and I have known for, for a long time, they're now figuring out. <laughs> also, a person that we both know, last time I was I was down your way, Spent and I know this is not disrespectful in, in any way, shape, or form. He spent probably forty-five minutes, an hour, talking about a hot dog stand in some like country-ass town that maybe he was from. Maybe he enjoyed riding through. I don't really remember that gist of it. But I have never in my life been so just erect over another man describing hot dogs to me—a phallic object. As I was listening to him tell me the story of why he enjoys these hot dogs from this podunk ass hot dog stand in this podunk ass town. I mean, I was just great. What? Don't get a body like this by eating right and working out. You know what I'm saying? Like, and I wish I could tell the story as good as he, but you know, you know, country as fuck. He's older, right? Like, you can't even understand. Hey, he says hello. Like, hey, hello. You're like, what? Hi? I don't, I don't know. But listening to him talk about hot dogs, I was like, dude, I'm so – I'm going to go fuck one of those hot dogs. <laughs> Let it out. <gasps> you said this is the last time you came down? Uh, No. No way. Oh, I was going to say, I don't think we saw him the last time you came down. No, it was a couple of times ago. Yeah, it was, so it would have been uh... – the time that we met, yeah, because we no, no, because no, we it's time it was we the time after at, that. we were gonna meet at the bar, but then the storm slowed you down. No, and okay, so it was the time turn left to go to my house while you were sitting at the stoplight. It was it was two times before that. Okay, dude, so that trip we, that trip was fucking wild. So that, that was the trip then. No, the hot dog thing happened a few trips before, but this last trip out to Virginia to, to hang out, that shit, that rain was fucking what well, coming over the uh the Portsmouth Bridge and Tunnel, that shit was fucking deep. And then my dumbass, I didn't know that like ocean view floods. I don't know. I lived in Virginia for a long time, and yet I guess I just never paid attention to ocean view. Which yeah. if you're from if you're from Virginia, you can insert a joke there, but but so I got up. I was like, dude, this interstate is fucking like, I'm going to drown. Like, I'm going to hydroplane. I'm going to fucking die. So I'm going to take back. I'm going to take back roads. So if you know Virginia, if you know Virginia Beach and Norfolk, stuff like that, I got off at, at Willoughby. It's Willoughby Spit, the boat landing that I like. You've been there. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, that fucking thing was more underwater than the interstate. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, and it, it started raining so hard that I just pulled under that overpass and like I had a beer in my saddlebag. I just pulled it out. I was drinking. The cops came by. Like, are you all right? I was like, yeah, I'm good. <laughs> and they just kept going. Like, maybe don't pull over in fucking Ocean View. But I had such a good time riding around. I mean, obviously, I got a chance to to ride around with Cole and stuff like that. Um, Jay from Left Lane, um, Left Left Lane Syndicate, but people probably understand the sign more. Left Lane is for crime. I feel like he yeah. just needs to, dude. He just needs to rebrand himself as as Left Lane is for crime because that's what no, people. No, the, the Left Lane criminal, man. That's what he needs. There to you go. Him. There you go. Instead of Syndicate, Left Lane criminal. I like that. I'm only going to make an Instagram with that name and charge it's... him like a hundred bucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> like, if you fucking want it bad enough, you'll pay me. You can own the domain name or whatever and just take it. But yeah, I got a chance. I rode all the way down to, I mean, that's not that far, uh, but I rode down to see him and um, God, where's Kitty Hawk or some shit like that, right on the beach, right on the Outer Banks. Yeah. Had a great time with him. He rode back. That motherfucker rides so fucking much. But so he, I rode down to see him. And then I was like, God, what was I doing? I don't know. But we were, I was like, did we got something going on back in Virginia Beach? I'm going to ride back. He's like, I'll fucking come with you. Hung out till way too late at night, then rode home all the way back to North Carolina. Then this last trip I saw him, he rode from North Carolina again up to Virginia Beach to have um, Dynafab work on his bike and shit like that. I was like, ah, dude, you're just fucking putting miles on that thing. He rode, I think he rode all the way to, to Trog. Yeah. Yep. He rode all the way to the Trog um, event. And then he just did another thing like the Jersey Pines Bike Fest. And dude, just getting it. And and I know it's not like a super impressive amount of miles, you know, Um from like here to OBX, but like he was not like he was up at the fucking stunt show up here too. Fucking yeah, fucking and it's like a Tuesday. Dude, he's fucking killing it, dude. And I'm I'm so fucking happy for him, man. Like he was just like, I want to do this, and then he just fucking went in, and he's fucking killing it. I hope he gets a chance to completely lift you off the ground again. Because for those that don't know, Jay, Jay has got to be what six six. He's like six seven, six eight. He's he's big. He's a big. He's all of um, what two sixty, two eighty. He's he's not he's not small. <laughs> all right, like my, that motherfucker takes a tall boy and makes it look like a shot glass. And yeah, and to see him just lift Ken up off his feet because you're what are you five eight? I'm five nine. Thank you. In fucking heels <laughs> to see him <laughs> to I'm see, see him Ken up. Was just fucking phenomenal. But yeah, the, the trip was great. You know, we got a chance. So I blend them together with this one where I, where I drove down and stuff like that with the bike trip. But yeah, just getting a chance to, to hang out with you guys. Um, what are you looking for? I sent you that picture of, I forget who it was that came over and just like picked me up. Like they baby bared me. Like I was nothing. Wasn't that so Jay? I be like I level with Jay. Jay didn't pick me up. He was standing next to me. He was going to bend down for me because I'm a little guy. <laughs> and somebody just kind of came up and grabbed me by my knees and just stood up with me. And I'm like, all right, take the fucking picture. And I fucking died. I died. I don't think I've laughed that fucking hard in a long time, to be honest with you. That was a good fucking picture. But I think it just shows the differences in – Come so you most I think everybody knows that you came from 
from Jacksonville. Um, and you just, you didn't have a it thing or a, or a vibe or, or a fit. That was what you were looking for. Now I've been to Jacksonville many times. I have friends in Jacksonville. I love how Jacksonville operates, but I can understand where maybe other people don't. I think you have to, you have to be looking for it. That sort of thing. Um, I think to maybe enjoy the club scene in Jacksonville. I don't know if I'm I'm saying that right, but I think in Virginia or, or at least kind of where you're at, one of the things that I've always enjoyed is the, the difference there, there's just a variety that some places lack. And I don't mean that in a negative way where like it's saturated with, with too many clubs, you know, a lot of areas are afflicted with that, but you know, you have a variety of different types of club, different, if you want to say tiers of clubs or whatever, like if you want to say, you know, what that club is about or what it represents and things like that. Like there's just so many different options. And then there's also the independent community of guys that just fucking ride and they just smash miles and they don't really need or want to be in a club. Like you just kind of have this, this entire melting pot in this Hampton roads, you know, kind of, kind of area uh, that it's something I've always enjoyed. I know some, you know, and the same thing, how maybe Jacksonville wasn't necessarily for you. Somebody could say the same thing for them about, about Virginia. You know, I just, I've enjoyed both places, but I see the differences. um, And and I just, I love what Virginia brings to the table. Yeah, man. I mean, it's definitely an individual experience, you know, like, I mean, yeah, I didn't have a great time in Jacksonville, but then I've never had a bad time in Cocoa beach. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, 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 at the end of the day, it's just an individual experience. And that, that even comes down to clubs, right? Locations, clubs, even fucking chapters of clubs. Um, it's all how you take it and all how everything fits in with you. And if it doesn't fit, it just doesn't fit. Like, for me, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, you know, the heat mostly in Jacksonville. <laughs> I think the only way to describe the heat in Jacksonville is just disrespectful. I think is, the, is that that's just the weather there it was disrespectful. Um, but yeah, like I mean, th- there's people there that fucking move there. Like my buddy, my my buddy Matt, you know, he moved down to Jacksonville. He fucking fell in love with it, and he retired from the military, and he's staying down there. Where I couldn't, I try, I dropped three personnel action requests to get out of there early, and they were all denied. That's besides the point. Um, you know, like I said, just individual experience. Yeah, and it's got to be, it's got to be the right fit. And you know, it's like our dude on a toilet. That shirt ain't going nowhere, bro. It's just not a good fit. Yeah, man. And I think that's where to end the show and where to leave it, and possibly a title. That shirt ain't gonna fit. <laughs> that turd ain't gonna fit, fella. Well, hey Dave, it was good. It was good fucking finally getting back into this, man. I got the planner. The 2023 planners were out. I bought one. We're gonna start scheduling shit. Nobody's gonna stick to no fucking schedule. We all got shit that we do. Sometimes we lie and say that we're busy just because we don't we don't feel like doing a show. Sometimes we're busy. Sometimes you know you got to run out and do gang shit and hold up a 7-Eleven or fucking whatever. You know, sometimes we're busy flipping off the camera. I don't know, but. A schedule is not going to work, or you know it's going to happen. We talked about it. it's going to happen. No, no, no. Go ahead, go ahead. Make I a will bet you a hundred fucking pennies that the schedule works. No, because you're going to get 
you know you know what kind of episode you're gonna get. You're an asshole for saying that. So, anyways, Dave, it was good to get back into this with you. I'm hey, fucking- you know what? Fuck fuck your schedule. It's not gonna work. It's gay. Uh, but lock Jim into lock Jim into a date to do the, uh, the to do the follow up to the history podcast. That's a great one. It'll be a good one. That should be our next banger. I think it should be. And um, you know, I'll just I'll just uh, let him know that you lost his number because apparently you can't call him. So hey, anyways, thanks. I scheduled the last one, and, and and that's the argument I used against it. I was like, dude, you told me you wanted to do it on X, Y, and Z date, and then fucking fell asleep at the wheel, Jim. So don't give me that shit. Oh shit, I'm I'm no uh, I'm no expert, but I'm pretty sure those are shots fired. Goddamn right. I'm gonna go Take get the camera. Quit. <laughs> All right, I promise this time we're fucking leaving. Uh, but we appreciate all the fucking love and support, guys. Uh, and all the fucking messages telling us to get off our ass uh, and do another fucking episode because we have been lacking and slacking. But it's okay because we have real lives that we're living. And I am fucking terrified to speak now in a public forum. So there's that also. Y'all have a great one. Dave, again, man, it was good seeing you, man. Um, and we'll, uh, we'll catch y'all sometime soon, we hope, with another episode.